this is a part where there's a word that I want to share with you um, this evening, and it's more of a, uh, a word that I believe that uh, God just said, hey, this is what I want you to deliver. This is, this is for the people that are sitting in there. This is, this is not necessarily a sermon as much as it is uh, something that came out of my time with the Lord. And I want to share with you um, from the book of Jonah. Um, now, when I say the book of Jonah, uh, I need you to understand that the book of Jonah isn't a storybook. The book of Jonah is not a little golden book that you would get at the grocery store. Um, I want you to know that there are people that believe um, the book of Jonah never really took place. It's just a big giant metaphor for a number of different things and, you know, going sideways and whatever. But the truth of the matter is that I believe that God um, spoke to Jonah. I believe that God met with Jonah. I believe everything about the story of Jonah. I believe the big fish part of Jonah. Um, I believe that beyond the reason of man. I know that there are people that will tell you that, you know, well, if a whale swallowed him and, and this happened and gastric acid did that and he was there for three days and there was in fact a man that they pulled out of a whale in the late 1800s, early 1900s and he was bleached white and lost his ever-loving mind. Really, that's the truth. Um, so I know that that's possible, but here's the deal. I don't believe it because in my humanity I can understand it. I believe it because God wrote it down and he, he left it for me to say. And if God said it, he actually meant it. And that's good enough for me. But if you want me to take it a step further for you that call yourselves Christian, let me do this for you. Jesus pointed to the book of Jonah. He pointed to the man Jonah. He pointed to the incident with the whale specifically, or excuse me, excuse me, big fish. Okay. Um, he pointed to that specifically as a reality of what took place because he was going to die and be buried for three days like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And it wasn't a metaphor when Jesus said it. And that makes it good enough for me. So we have this story. Well, let me just share with you what Jesus said. In Matthew 12, he, he said, and I didn't want this one necessarily to go up, so I'm sorry I caught you guys off guard here, but for as Jonah was at three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. And Jesus was saying, listen, the Son of God has arrived. The Son of Man is here. The, 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 the sacrifice for your sins is in front of you. And you won't repent. He's talking to the Jewish people. And you won't repent. But you'll believe Jonah. Jonah's going to stand up and judge you in the day of judgment because he at least repent. The people, excuse me, of Nineveh will, will, Nineveh will stand up and uh, judge you because they at least repented and saw God move in a big way. Before I go any further in this story, I just want to ask you a question. What is it? that God could ask of you that you wouldn't do? What is it in your life that maybe God has begun to ask of you that you won't do? And when I ask that question, it may be something like, go to somebody and tell them that you're sorry for how things came and how things went. Maybe it's uh, go back and deal with something that you dealt with as a child or as a young man or as a young woman, and you need to go back and make amends. Not because your salvation depends on it, but because God asked you to do it. 
Maybe it's to stand up and not be afraid to be counted in the world that you live in in an everyday sort of a way, whether it's school, whether it's college, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's with your friends from ages that you've had that aren't chasing after Jesus. What is it that God could or is actually asking of you that you would say, I might have to run to Tarshish on this one because it's just too scary for you. Or, or you just don't want to do it. You don't want that to happen. In the scripture here, it says that God sent Jonah to Nineveh to speak to the Ninevites. 120,000 people that didn't know their left hand from their right hand, the scripture says. Just normal people that didn't have the opportunity to be educated in an organized educational system. But that got along in everyday life just just fine. 120,000 people. There's 131,000 people in Warren County, in Bowling Green, the county that Bowling Green sits in. There's 131,000 people. Jonah was sent, if you will, to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to speak to the people in Warren County. 120,000 people. And he went in, and he was supposed to go in on one side and tell them that God is not happy with them and that he is going to come and he is going to punish them if they do not repent. And, and, and God said, Jonah, I want you to go do this with me. And Jonah apparently was going by himself. And Jonah wanted the Ninevites to die. He didn't care. Jonah wanted, you'll see in a minute, but he wanted the Ninevites to die. He didn't like the Ninevites. He had racial issues with the Ninevites. He had bigotry against the Ninevites. You pick the, the story there. But he hated Ninevites. He wanted 120,000 people wiped out because he didn't like them. And that's what his story was right here. These people were not his friends, and he wanted to be with his friends. And when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, he went down to Joppa, and he jumped on a boat that was headed diametrically the other way. Surely he can go somewhere else, and God will not look at him, and God will not find him, and God will not ask anything of him, and he does not have to do it. You ever been there? You ever been there when God said, hey, I want you to do something for me? I want you to go over and I want you to pray for that person. I want you to go over there. I want you to stop your car. And I want you to give that guy some money. But what I want you to do is stop judging him. We live in a world where we can think of a million things he can do besides stand there with that sign, can't we? There's sign there. Listen, I, I can tell you, there's, there's people all up and down the bypass here that got signs out that say, help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. But that's not what God's asking us to fix. He's asking us to have a compassionate heart and do something right there in that moment. That's our Nineveh, right there in that moment. He is asking us to go back to a family situation and make amends with a brother or a sister, with a mom or a dad, and he's saying, I need you to drop what you're doing and go do it. And before you tell me God wouldn't do that, let me take you to the book of Matthew, where Jesus said, if you come to the altar... And there, offer up your offering, your sacrifice. But remember that somebody has something against you that you have yet to do anything about. Put the offering down. If I can, can I do a little paraphrase? Can I bring it to 2022? 
Hey, I don't want your offering. Set it down until you do what I asked you to do. Go make it right with that person. In as much as it lies within you, go make it right. And then we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, God, but not that. But not, I won't do that. And we make a million excuses. And it's not because we necessarily did something wrong or something awful or whatever it is. God just says, hey, I want you to go and give it a shot. I want you to go and do. And so if, if you can go and do, you're doing great. But Jesus is saying, put your offering down, go do it, come back, pick up your offering, make your offering, and God will let his favor rest upon it. I'm not saying your salvation at that point is in jeopardy. What I'm saying is the favor of God might be in jeopardy to you because you're looking at God and saying no. And God is asking something of you. And he's not asking you to go to Nineveh. He's not asking you to go to Warren County and stand on a soapbox in the middle of downtown Bowling Green and preach that fire is going to fall from heaven. He's not trying to humiliate you to that degree. But he might be just asking you to go pay for somebody's dinner. He might be asking you to go sit down with somebody and talk to them about your relationship to Jesus. He might be asking you to get baptized. He might be asking you to stop going to church and surrender your life to Jesus. He might be asking you to stop saying that you follow Jesus and come and follow Jesus. Because it will change your life. Have you ever been there? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord as if he could. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea with such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Everybody else is up on the deck. Everybody else is throwing. It's a cargo ship. They're throwing the cargo over. You don't think it matters to the people around you and I that we do or don't listen to God? Jonah decided not to listen to God, and it affected every man on that ship. And they all started throwing that which was going to provide for them overboard. Nobody bothered to go wake up Jonah at that point. I, I'm just thinking if you're going to throw everything overboard, go wake everybody up. And ask them, everybody, what they did. But that's not what happened. But not only does Jonah not want to go to Nineveh, he actually wants them to die. Because the story goes on that, obviously, he comes to a place where um, the, the people on the sailors come to him and they say, hey, you know, who are you, where are you from, and who are your people? And uh, Jonah gives them the spiel that he's a Hebrew, he follows God. Clearly, he's not following God, but he follows God. And they say, what must we do to calm this thing down, to make it all stop? And he says, you've got to throw me overboard. So they try to do something else first. That doesn't work, so they come back to him. And they, they literally, play, literally pray to his God and say, God, do not hold this man's life in, uh, against us. Don't, don't hold us guilty of his blood. We have to do this. And they throw him. 
over and a big fish comes and gets him and then he's three days in the belly of the big fish it takes him to the beach he gets thrown up on the on the on the shore and that's our story and then he goes and he preaches in Nineveh and by George the people actually repent he gives them an invitation to church and they come he just comes to them and he says this is what the Lord God says and everybody rips their clothes and the animals nobody eats food they're all fasting and they repent and God has mercy on them and it's great it's awesome except for Jonah. He sees that they repent, they become good people, and he's madder than a hornet because he wanted fire to fall on their heads and he wanted them dead. You ever been there? Or you wanted fire to fall on your neighbor's head and you just wanted them dead? You're just sick and tired of dealing with them? I met a man one time that I worked with that when I asked him why he didn't share his testimony with the man that he worked with and invite him to church, to his church, and he said, well, I'm not going to do that. I want him to go to hell. He deserves it. <laughs> I honestly had to look him in the eye and said, don't we all? But he didn't think he did. But he thought the other guy did. And he didn't want him forgiven, because then he would go to heaven. And he wanted him in hell. Well, that was Jonah's story. Jonah's story was he wanted to see all the Ninevites dead, burned up, and in hell. And he wanted to believe that he was better than all that. And then when, when they all repented, he ran off and sat down and a little, a little broom, broom tree grows up and he gets to sit in the shade. And then, of course, you know, the, the scorching wind comes and dries it all up. And then he's madder and hornet at God. He's mad at God. And this is why he says, but to Jonah, that seemed absolutely wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home before he went down to Joppa? He said to the Lord, he evidently had a conversation with God. He said, you're going you're gonna to forgive him. Isn't this what I said when I was at home? That is what I tried to forestall. I tried to make sure it didn't happen by going to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live if the Ninevites are going to live. And how do you get to that place where you're so bitter at somebody that you would rather they died then repented I don't know but set aside the Ninevites and 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 their their uh, nationality and let's just go with how do you get to the place where you're chasing after God but he asks something of you and you say no and you run the other way you know my wife used to say that um, Yes, we'll go into the pastorate. wasn't necessarily what she wanted at the beginning, and I give her grace and, and peace for that. She wanted to marry a farmer, and I wasn't going to do that. But she wasn't sure she wanted to go into the ministry, and when it was time to go, she wanted to go anywhere but Africa. Only one of us has been to Africa so far. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? But God didn't tell her to go to Africa. What is the thing that God could ask of you that you would say no to? Or that you are saying no to? That you are running from God. Jonah didn't like those people. He didn't obey God. He was mad at God. 
You know, God's in the saving business. In Matthew 12, Jesus calls out the 12, Matthew 10, excuse me, Jesus calls out the 12, he sends them out, but he tells them, I only want you to go to Israel. I don't want you to go to the Gentiles. I don't want you to go to the Samaritans. Don't do that. But eventually Jesus begins to minister to the Gentiles and the Samaritans. We have Syrophoenician woman. We have Roman centurions that Jesus begins to interact with. And it clearly, there's something we don't understand in that. But Jesus was beginning to move forward. And as he began to do this, he starts interacting with these very people. Where Jonah was like, no, we're not going to touch them. No, we're not going to be a part of them. Where Jesus sent out his disciples and said, only go to the, uh, um, the Jewish people. That's who we're going to start with. But then the next step became that Jesus began to go to people on the highways and the byways. And if you fast forward to Matthew 24 and 25, there's a great wedding feast. And he says, go out to the people that refuse to come in. And it's just a playing out of that story. But here was a specific, Jesus gathered his 12 and said, I want you to go. And they could have said, no, Lord, we're not going to do that. But they didn't. They went. Jesus brought us together here, you and I, to reach people. But he sends us to our families. He sends us to our schools. He sends us to the university. He sends us to the Walmart. He sends us to the Hardee's. He doesn't send us to Chick-fil-A because they're already saved, and that's Jesus' chicken. But they're not open on Sunday, so that's okay. But he sends us in the world out, and he invites us to invite other people in. But when we go, we're afraid to do it, or we won't do it, or it's not my calling to do it. And yet there are people that need to be welcomed into church, invited into church, invited into our small groups, invited into families, invited into friendships. Our circles need to get bigger, or they need to change. They can't stay the same forever. But God is asking of us to do something. God is wanting you here in this time, in this place, to bring the kingdom. And we bring the kingdom by what we say, what we sing, and what we testify to. We bring the kingdom by what we watch, what we ingest, and what we laugh at. We bring the kingdom by where we go, what we buy, and how we share. That's how we bring the kingdom. God wants us to change Central Kentucky. And by us, I mean you as an individual, but us together. He does. He wants to use you here, and that's why he put you here in your job. Because that's where he wants you to bring the kingdom of God to your job. And not in some kind of fear that if you say the name Jesus, you'll be fired. Because people were slaughtered for saying his name. Certainly, we cannot worry about being fired for saying his name. God has sent you to your job to bring the kingdom. He sent you to your university to bring the kingdom. He sent you to the high school, the middle school, your home community, your block that you live on, so that you will have the opportunity to bring the kingdom. And God wants us all to be a part of a local church. God has called you to something is the word that I believe he's placed on my heart. He has called each and every one of you in here and brought you to a place in this time. Psalm 139, place in this time. You know where I'm going, right? Every day ordained for me. And he brought you here so that you could be faced with the fact that he's calling you to something. And the question is, so are you running from God? Are you literally running from God and hiding from him even in the church? Or 
to coin or to, to tap into a new phrase, are you quiet quitting God? I've been dying to use that phrase. You don't know. Are you quiet quitting God? What that means is, are you only doing the least that you think he's asking of you or that you were hired to do? Or are you giving him your all? Because I know for a fact that God is asking something of you. 